back with the Regenerative Landscapes podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to be discussing uh, about insects, actually, and specifically uh, insect pests. But before we get into that, uh, how was your week, Dan? My week? Uh, <laughs> you had really, one, right? <laughs> yeah, it still doesn't feel like it. Like, I mean, it's been nice that the, you know, snow's been melting, weather's been nice. It's definitely feeling like spring, almost summertime. So getting happy about that. I've actually been kind of brainstorming, think about uh, things to do with uh, my yard. Nice. Because uh, I'm thinking, like, I already have kind of a little native uh, plant plot in our in the front yard. Uh, but it was kind of more just a <laughs> staging ground because it's just a lot of different kinds of native plants that I just threw in there. But it doesn't, again, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it just looks like it's just a weed infestation, but it's all native plants. So I think this year I'm actually going to transplant, move some things around, and actually make it look. Yeah, shape it up, make like, it pretty. <laughs> yeah, do a little bit of a showcase because, nice. you know, kind of helped it. Because I'm hoping to maybe even make a little sign or something for I was going to say, know, put some sign in. Male there. person or whatever comes by and just wants to, or people that come by are just curious to know what uh, is there, kind of just mm-hmm. put a little info thing if that's that, of what's in there. But I was also thinking, doing that on the front and then in our backyard or back alley actually uh we just have so much um uh, just common yarrow in mm. the back there that's been growing like crazy which like i mean i don't mind but it's so there's almost there's too much of it, of it. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah so i kind of want to thin it back a little bit and then almost do kind of these little planter showcases as well in the back i know a lot of people don't really walk around there but it'd be kind of nice to uh set up these little different kind of ecosystems within kind of just mm-hmm. in the back alley area being like this sampler systems a, yeah yeah and then also yeah another showcase be like you know these are the kind of things you can throw in your art and this is kind of how they'll look like nice. but of course, <laughs> there's always the odd well the thing that i always think of is it's in the back alley so there's a high chance that stuff will get run over if <laughs> people decide to swerve a little bit onto the <laughs> side instead of on the main back alley so <laughs> well you just grade it the harder stuff cl- closest to the, the yeah. roadway and then work your way back so like we got some really tough stuff like the uh, the white sage and that kind of thing put that out front and it'll it'll take a beating and then work your way back to the stuff that doesn't like being stomped on mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll all be good cool. so yeah i've been doing all that for planning and yeah just thinking about things to do for the summer growing season so mm-hmm. yeah just a lot of brainstorming and thinking. Nice. Got a lot of yeah. time for it, so. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do. I'm. A, this is crazy nuts because, um, well, uh, CD Sunday just happened this last Sunday, and they had to do oh, it yeah. all. Yeah, they had to do it all. Vir- well, they had to do it all virtually and online, and yeah. uh, they kind of somehow missed me from last year. So it oh. wasn't until I went across the website and I was like, oh, my God, that's this weekend. And so in really short order, they had a link to my website and everything as one of the vendors. So I was like, whew, glad I made it in there because that that already it's been proven to be helping get traffic to the site. And uh, people are interested in some things. So that's good. Um, and then, yeah, talking about the yard thing. Well, like we're on an acreage, so we've got a, a fairly substantial yard, but everything from uh, we've got little plants waking up from their winter sleep and so i keep checking them um unlike a lot of people i'm actually a little bit freaked out that there's no snow already because i have to water already and yet at nighttime it freezes so 
hose goes out, hose has to go back. And like, this is a real pain in the butt. And I, it's, I have to take mm-hmm. a lot more time to do it. Um, but then I'm also thinking of things like uh, we've been kind of doing our uh, winter pruning of the trails and stuff out in the woods. And I'm thinking of, Hey, you know, that'd be really cool if I put some signs and things up. And, um, even if a plant wasn't where, right where somebody was walking, I can plant a native in there and put a little sign and stuff too there. Right. So people can, um, see things a little more accessible and, uh, also trying to figure out, um, I want to build a, a roof frame, on the sea can this year so we can start planning out a green roof that'd and be cool yeah so if you guys uh wanna <laughs> have some fun with that uh, <laughs> um and then uh trying to get another greenhouse set up yeah like it's it's just crazy and then all the little seedlings that are overflowing the basement and now i've been setting up the, the outdoor prop house and things are settling in there and then now people are starting to ask for plants here and there and i'm sure it's just going to keep escalating right so now it's it's just crazy and then on top of that well as uh you saw from the invite we're hoping to actually get together outdoors socially distant for some jamming and stuff because the weather's getting nicer outside and you know try to do some some social activity of some kind (laughs) (laughs) nice change yeah so just lots of stuff going on but uh yeah all in all a good week just really busy uh so and we oh and we had one fantabulous windstorm on saturday uh sinjin was actually up pruning some of the manitoba maples because they get a lot of uh suckers and things and broken branches over the winter and they're very heavy and dense so if you don't keep them trimmed uh, if one of those snaps off, it's going to do some serious damage. So he's mm-hmm. up, he's up there prune, pruning because he's the monkey kid. And then <laughs> the wind comes up and I'm like, oh, maybe you should start thinking about coming down. He's like, yeah, yeah, I can feel the tree starting to move. So I think I'll, I'll wake my way down. And as he's coming down, we have this big crack and we can see out in the back woods. The spruce tree has just gone right over sideways into a bunch of poplar just blown right over. So Ooh. I'm like. Oh, glad we weren't out there then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's the it's the age of this particular woods. It's considered a, a middle-aged mixed wood now. So there's a mix of deciduous and evergreen. And the age of it, a lot of the balsam poplar, the tops snap off frequently. But the spruce trees, if they get really tall, um, they get top-heavy. And the root systems are actually quite shallow as far as the size of the tree goes. So then if the wind blows them hard enough... It just rips the roots and everything right out. So it's uh, it's it's a somewhat natural process, but we are getting more extremes in the weather. So it's happening a little more often. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, um, it's been it's been all right. So <laughs> all right, uh, I think we'll just get right into our our insects. Um, we've got all t- all kinds of titles floating around. I think one of them, we've got bug eye, we've got the language of insects, we've got all kinds of stuff, but we'll, we'll get it figured out for when we finally uh, publish this. But um, you two did not even mention that I was gone for the week. What kind of friend are you? But it's okay. I'm the editor. I can just jump in whenever I can and I'll just cut all the stuff I don't want. Anyway, what got me started is uh, I heard another podcast uh, more of related to regenerative agriculture, but there's this uh, Dr. Larry 
uh, Phelan, I think his name is, from Ohio State N University, and he's specifically been studying the relationships between soil health, plant health, and insect pests. And that really started getting me thinking because um, whether it's farmers or in your backyard, a lot of people tend to, they want to fix things, right? So they apply fertilizer or they have an escalation of uh, pests and they use pesticide or um, there's weeds, so herbicide. And what they're finding is, I mean, we all have this gut feeling that it's probably not good, but they're actually finding the scientific proof now that by doing this kind of activity, it's actually exacerbating the problem and creating more of an unbalance. And that's what these uh, insect pests feed off of because they have um, terrible digestive tracts, actually. And so they need plant material that's already partially broken down to, to digest it properly. So they're attracted to any kind of plants that are already stressed, already on the out, already having a problem. And so if, if man is doing some of these things to uh, quicken that process, that's where you get these huge infestations of pests because in a normal environment, everything would be fairly balanced. You'd have, you know, a small percentage of pests, but you'd have a lot of healthy, good things as well. And everything would be in sync, right? Um, yeah, everything's working together. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, in sync. But yeah, when you kind of tackle just one aspect of if we're simply just looking at soil health, plant health, and insect pests, yeah, if you just tackle one of those things separately and not really address the other two kind of working together, um, yeah, you get that kind of off off kilter, yeah, uh, off balance. And yeah, that leads to, yeah, you get pests that maybe you don't want there now because you've just created, um, yeah, kind of a staging ground for <laughs> these pests that you don't like to kind of come in and take over. And then this becomes another issue. Okay, now how do you deal with these pests? And then it just kind of goes on and on. So trying to work yeah. together to, you know, improve the soil, but then also improve or uh, change up the plant health and then also maybe introducing a new kind of pest, um, but also one that you hope is not going to uh, take over and be the new problem after you <laughs> dealt yeah. with the old problem. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a balancing act. Well, it's, it's, it goes back to that whole, it's the regenerative landscape, right? Like everything, if, if you have the biodiversity and everything working together in balance, everything for the most part is pretty good. It's when you remove an item over or under state one of those items then there's as soon as one of those imbalances comes out everything just goes downhill from there right and it's all mm -hmm. um circular or cyclical too so um so what do you feel on uh, i guess in your own words what would it what would the definition of an insect pest even be like what do you consider an insect pest i guess well yeah i guess i'd say you know some sort of organism that's classified as an insect um that <laughs> good, good. Um, is detrimental <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm being <laughs> being super thorough right now uh very uh specific uh yeah and then like yeah i guess some sort of insect organism that is detrimental to you know beneficial usually a yeah like i mean i guess in our context yeah beneficial plant species or like ecosystem like you know you have an ecosystem or a plant that you know you really want to keep alive or keep you know um yeah keep alive in a certain area or you know your yard or whatever 
yard um, landscape area that um, decide these pesticide that you know they're starting to chip away at that or create a negative uh, impact on you know what you consider as uh, beneficial. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was it was funny because um, I just flipped through. I always get a picture in my mind, then I go check out the you know the encyclopedia version of it or or something to see how I'm relating. And I found it interesting. So the Canadian Encyclopedia definition of an insect pest is actually insects that feed on, compete for food with, or transmit diseases to humans and livestock. And I found that interesting because uh, in that context, in the wild, there are no insect pests. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. only when it's in relation to humans and livestock that we see them, start to see them as pests. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because I think about that with, you know, what some people might, cont- again, going back to one of our top, well, a few of our topics, talk about, you know, weed, weedy species um, that how some, how some people consider some species weeds and some people don't. And just kind of how it's a very, yeah, it's a very human uh, perspective that we're uh, putting on mm-hmm. um, uh, these different aspects of the ecosystem. So something like a insect pests yeah to in this context of that definition you read yeah it's it's looking at you know how does it negatively affect or how does it affect us usually in a negative way um to us specifically or things kind of you know we put importance on so you know something like livestock and you know crops which i'll probably talk about a little bit later um but yeah just how yeah how we consider it as a pest but yeah it doesn't mention anything about um in the wild that you know these same insect pests or insects that we consider pests um might not really be considered pests out in the wild even though they might do the exact same thing uh but it's it's part of the whole ecosystem Mm -hmm. uh, cycle (laughs) cycle that yeah the these different types of insects are going to be uh competing with other insects for food and um whatnot and yeah it sometimes you know organism like insects are some insects are going to die because of this and some are going to get propped up and then it's just yeah new one comes in or the old ones make a comeback and yeah it just keeps going around and around yeah i just it's i just find it funny that it always seems to come back to the humans uh being the center of it all and uh we like to shape our environment to to our needs and wants and uh, I guess it's a, it can be a little bit of a self-centered thing because it's it's somewhat subjective, right? Like it doesn't mean that's the way it's supposed to be or the way it is or whatever. It's just this is how we deem it to be or what we want. So anyway, uh, take it how you will. But that's uh, one aspect of what an insect pest is perceived as anyway. Um, now getting into some of our are again are are perceived from a human perspective um issues with these insects hence the name pest so obviously we grow whether it's cultivated or um native scaped or whatever kind of plant environments we have and once we get them you know all set up the way we like we're not very happy if some insects come in and happily start munching on all of our our plant material um so we want to get to the bottom of why these insects are moving in and doing this, what we can do to stop them. Uh, is it a good or bad thing? Like, what are the long-term ramifications? There's a lot of questions that come up, right? So to mm-hmm. start with, um, I thought I'd look at uh, host findings. So 
how do insects even find and hone in on these particular plants to start with? Because if you have a new plot of plants in the middle of nowhere, insects still come from miles and miles away. How do they find those specific plants? And some, you, you also notice that some insects, they're very species specific, so they'll only go for it. Like, hence, you know, the monarch butterflies, they like the milkweeds, that kind of thing, uh, versus other plants they wouldn't really touch. And so there's got to be a way for them to, these host plants, either for food or reproduction or whatever they're looking for. And what I guess the, the scientists are finding is there's multiple methods that uh, enable the insects to find their way. And of course, the uh, more well-known ones are a lot of insects, they all have antenna, right? And the antenna are actually used to um, smell, so to speak. And they also have uh, multiple sensors in their mouth parts. Some of them even have sensors in their butts. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> in their back end region. But um, what they're sensing also varies because they can pick up on, and taste, uh, so to speak, uh, pheromones, which can be produced by other insects, can also be produced by the plants and also can be uh, produced synthetically by humans. They can, a lot of these pheromones have, have we could get into a whole other podcast for it, but there's so many different uh, variations of these pheromones that do different things. So for example, if a, a plant is under attack, it can actually release pheromones when grazed upon results in higher tannins being produced in the uh, it and then the neighboring plants. So it, it kind of sends a shout out to everybody. Hey, everybody, get your defenses up because somebody's coming to eat us. Um, and that makes the plants less appetizing for whoever's chomping on. So I thought that was just like unbelievable, right? And same thing happens with everything from you see the moths attracted to the lights and different pheromones for like for their um, when they're looking for mates. The bees, when they do their bee dance, going to the flowers. There's just so many things with the pheromones, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've got anything to add about the, the pheromone portion. Uh, no, but I see what you're going to talk about next. So I'll let yeah, you talk about that. <laughs> I, that, that one you're probably quite fascinated by. Um, this one, I think it's the topic's come up more recently. So people might have heard the term but maybe they don't really know what it's all about or, or that the, the whole fact that it actually affects the plants and the insects and it's not just the migratory birds and that kind of thing. But um, there's electromagnetic fields produced. The, the fields vary depending on a lot of different variables, which, I mean, you can get all science physics into that. But what happens with the plants is in stressed individuals, those uh, EMFs they're called, change and that can be sensed by insects so that's why you you can find times where you've got like a whole crop of let's say it's corn or something just because it's a common thing most of the corn's okay and then you have a few that are just like uh i didn't get enough uh water and so i'm stressed and so they're starting mm -hmm. to um re release some of these pheromones maybe or their electromagnetic fields changing well, suddenly now locusts are going, ooh, I smell some dinner. And uh, they hone in on those particular ones that are not doing well. And if the other plants don't have some sort of uh, defense system, these insects, just like in clouds, right, they can they can start calling in their buddies saying, yeah, I found the buffet, I found the buffet. And then everybody just whoosh, eats them, <laughs> eats them down to nothing, right? Yeah. So, um, 
so yeah, had had you, I'm sure you've heard of uh, EMFs before, but yeah, because looking at this other article that I found again, it's it's a little old uh, from '05, but again, before recording, we were talking about um, this one uh, was kind of more pertaining to crops and insects and kind of their relationships, uh, crop species. Uh, and insect pests and kind of how there's both pros and cons to kind of having insects, uh, well, I guess how you would consider them pests, um, kind of interacting with a, a certain crop. But yeah, they were talking about how with uh, insects, yeah, they talk about pheromones, uh, but yeah, talking about how they, yeah, with their vision, they're, some insects are able to see, yeah, you know, different UV wavelengths and they're more prone to you know, wanting to follow, you know, something like, uh, what would it be like a short, uh, wave, um, wavelengths. Uh, so like, you know, your UV or whatever would be kind of higher up in the atmosphere too. So that's kind of where, uh, insects, you know, that might be fine or a little more attracted to that, but then also at the same time, they might look at something like long wave wavelengths coming from like soil, uh, if the soil's hot enough or whatever, then they might be more attracted to kind of these bare areas of soil, which could be kind of breeding grounds too for, you know, insects setting out their larvae and stuff like that. And right. being so able to produce a whole bunch. Keeping your, your, your ground covered and not bare soil might be a, a bonus to help reduce the pest problem some, in some cases too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. then, yeah, another thing too is just just simply just color where some insects might prefer, you know, your yellows or greens, like a light green or something. And if you were, and they were talking about in this article, how if you have uh, like a whole field and maybe, you know, whatever your crop is, if it's a whole bunch of like kind of dark green foliage, Mm -hmm. something that might be, um, might help with getting rid of a insect pest for that crop is to maybe introduce, maybe not necessarily weed species, if you can, because again, they were focusing mainly on, weedy species and they didn't really specify a whole bunch of them and again this is from i think i don't know it might have just been pretty general too uh but um introducing some sort of uh plant species aside from the crop species that is a lighter green or a different color that insects will be attracted to more so you kind of draws them away a little bit versus oh like a a decoy crop yeah like you know they'll say big green dark green crop of whatever and they're like oh i'm gonna go get that but then if you had kind of these little um you know plots of you know something that's a lighter green or something like a yellow um something that has yellow flowers or whatever yeah then it's like oh the plants or the insects see that it's like oh i actually like yellow a little bit more than this dark green so i'm gonna gravitate more towards that and then you could decide if you know you want to just kind of keep it like that and just have them only focus on the plant or if you want to actually you know go ahead with insecticides or whatever else you want to do to control them or biocontrol or whatever and, and of course even even doing those more natural methods just you know you got to think ahead of the possible ramifications like all right just like the uh, when we were talking about the green roofs and the the insects and introducing something to get rid of something else um well does it have another issue that goes with that all right so maybe you introduce these other plants okay the bugs are going for those but now how does that affect the rest of the the system right um Mm -hmm. so just things to keep in mind but yeah everything from the because like the bees they're more of the the far end of the uv spectrum so that's why they like the uh the the blue purpley kind of colors and that kind of thing and uh different 
species prefer different ones, which also it goes hand in hand. A lot of times the plants will adapt to be more suited for those uh, insect species to make them make it easier, more accessible if they're pollen collectors or nectar collectors or whatever too, right? Mm-hmm. But um, in the case of pests, yeah, you want to try and figure out ways to make it less appealing. Even the the very, uh, when Kevin was talking in the edible scaping episode, the the extra aromatic plants, sometimes they confuse the, the insects because now they can't smell uh, the markers for the plants that they want to get to. So they end up either getting barricaded off and going a different direction or getting into these other more aromatic plants instead and kind of getting lost that way. So, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of different things to do to um, deter the host finding part of it. Of course, there's other cases where you want to attract, like for people who are looking to uh, develop butterfly gardens, let's say like with the monarchs, whatever. Well, put out the the crops that they, they love. So get those different milkweeds and that kind of thing out there and uh, try to attract them. But it just, it depends whether you're trying to attract or detract. And generally because of how we view the pest insects, um, we're trying to either deter them, um, confuse them, or destroy <laughs> destroy them. I guess, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you briefly mentioned too. So, by improving the soil and the plant health, it's actually going to increase resilience to pests because, like I said before, the pests are honed in on weaknesses because it's easier to digest those already those plant materials that are already breaking down versus um it's if you've got something with a lot of uh fibrous material and that kind of stuff to get through it's like oh this isn't worth my time chewing through this stuff so i'm gonna go somewhere else um insecticides pesticides soluble fertilizers and uh, fertilizers and incorrect ratios are all big woo woo uh things that will most likely disrupt your soil and plant health and the system overall. So you're going to actually not help. You're going to hinder your system and you're going to attract more pests. Uh, because I found out a little more about the, you'll, you probably know more about this with the fertilizer. So there's the soluble and insoluble fertilizers and the soluble ones are actually the ones that are giving us the most problem because they are very rapidly absorbed by the plants, but the plants can't dictate the ratios. So if there's too much nitrogen in the fertilizer, you just put down in a soluble version, they'll suck it up anyway. And now there's too much nitrogen in the leaves. And guess what? The plant, the insect pests just go, woo, I'm going to go have this lovely buffet that you set out for me. Versus if it's insoluble, it sits there in the soil longer and the plants can kind of pick it up as needed more, right? Yeah, it's more like so, a slow release. Yeah. You kind of want to think about it. Usually, I mean, that's not yeah. always the case. But if you think of kind of a, if something is to say like it's a slower release fertilizer, chances are it's, yeah, kind of an insoluble uh, kind of form of whatever fertilizer or of whatever nutrients you're kind of looking for that, yeah, it's a slow release that the plants will take up uh, much more gradually kind of, um, so yeah, they don't overdo it with <laughs> uh, soluble form and don't get too much of yeah nitrogen or whatever nutrient you're adding to it. Yeah. And I mean, I know like other stressors, like abrupt weather changes and things like that, that are out of your control, they can stress a plant too, and uh, put up a beacon for the insect pest as well. But those things are more out of your control versus if you're growing outdoors anyway, versus the things that you can change, why not work on those? Because it will greatly reduce your uh, 
insect pest loads. Because in a, in a healthy population, um, apparently there's about 30% insect pests at any given time. And they're, the healthier the plants, the smaller the insect pests. But if you have these imbalances and the plant and the insect pests are going crazy, they'll actually be larger specimens in, in the population of pests too. So, so being healthy actually keeps the, not only the populations down, but keeps the size of them down. So they're just not as resilient, right? Oh, sorry about that. Um, but, um, yeah, so the, uh, in, in the abrupt weather changes, things like your, your sugar levels, you know, may go from the, the leaves, the upper, the upper plant part that's above ground and go down into the roots and the soil around it because they're trying to conserve energy. Um, sometimes the insects, depending on the insect, they'll pick up on that and that might be an attractant. And other times it could be a, a repellent too, um, if they know the plants are going to sleep for the winter per se. And they're not going to be able to access all that goody goodness because it's all underground. They're going to leave and, well, you know, either have to go hibernate or, or migrate or die because of winter coming anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that also shows you, the, the again, the more extreme weather conditions that we're experiencing year round now. These are things that can uh, somewhat naturally shock the plants so that we get more of these insect pests too that it's it's not a direct correlation to the humans even though you know we are a part of the uh climate change thing but um not as direct as oh you just dumped a whole bunch of soluble fertilizer onto your plants and really sped it up so yeah um so the flip side to that is now of course people would be wanting to know so if these things are not good for the soil and the plants and can bring the pests in, how do we fix it? How do we improve our soil and our plant health? Um, well, what would be one key thing that you could think of, I guess? To help uh, mitigate insect pests? Yeah, so ha something that can improve your soil and, and plant health that will help um, deter the, the insect pests, I guess. Um, I mean, yeah, like just adding, adding something like organic matter, I think is pretty easy. Well, again, it depends on your site, but adding something like organic matter to your soil would most likely help with at least improving the soil mm -hmm. health aspect, mm -hmm. um, of the area that you're trying to control the insect pests within. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. Another one I would think is just adding maybe more, um, uh, different kinds of plants if you have that option like if, oh, if diversity you don't, like this, yeah yeah because if you're gonna throw up like if you again kind of going back to the crop a uh, little article thing i was reading uh if you're focusing on a monoculture um and sometimes you can't get out of okay yeah you know what i'm not gonna even talk about a crop say if you have a yard and you're just gonna throw a whole <laughs> bunch of maybe let's say sunflower um species but it's just all sunflower in this one little area there's a greater chance that there's going to be a pest that's going to really like that crop because even if it's all looking super healthy and whatnot, um, if you just have that one species and there's a pest or a few pests that really like that one species within that same family, chances are that whole crop's probably going to not do super well. But if you can, uh, if you're able to add some biodiversity and add in some different kinds of species within there, that helps to a uh, kind of change the focus of the pest not eating 
you know, your sunflower species and maybe looking at something else or just totally leave that space. Cause it's like, ah, eh, there's not a lot there. Mm-hmm. And there's also these other species within uh, kind of that area that might um, deter even the pests. So uh, that helps too. So those are a couple things. Right. And um, along with the, the di- biodiversity creates habitats for the, the predator insects of the pest insects, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a little bit, but, um, but yeah, so basically creating that biological buffer. So you've got, you're, you're adding more organic matter, which um, again, it's kind of like, it's almost like that water sponge thing too. So the more organic matter, the more nutrients you've got, but they're stored in the soil instead of just getting sucked up by everything right away. So they're kind of there for a slow release back into the plants and everything as needed. Um, and then you're building that up so that's it's kind of banking it, right? Um it also helps increase the microbes in the soil. And the microbes are really important because they are kind of like the balancers in the soil. They break down a lot of the things uh, that aren't really useful for the plants and they turn them into a more usable format so the plants can then use them. Um, They can also uh, increase water retention and, and they can... Uh, free up all these, basically free up all these things, but as needed, right? So it's kind of like a regulator, I guess, for the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a symbiotic relationship because now the the plants that are uh, healthier, they may grow more slowly than something that's been shot full of, you know, chemical fertilizer, but it'll be more consistent. So again, it'll be a, a slow growth, but a consistent growth, which is better for the overall uh, biosphere than if you've got this rapid growth level off or maybe even crash and burn, deteriorate, and then it gets totally annihilated by the insect pests, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because the, the healthy plants, they'll put carbon and sugars and other things back in the soil that um, are either in excess or they're not using and banking for later as well. So, it, it the flow goes both ways. It goes from the microbes to the plants, plants to the microbes. They, they need each other. Now, if you've got a completely dead soil, uh, so that means it's totally bare, nothing's been able to grow on it, like everything's leached or sucked out of it, and it's just, it's a complete mess. Um, I haven't tried this. I don't have a dead soil to try this on, but it's an interesting concept. Uh, and apparently this this Dr. Larry uh, Phelan, or whatever his name is, um, He's done this in, now this is extreme. So he's talking about these guys that have these big monoculture, just fields and fields and fields. And they've been just growing. Again, I'll use the example corn. I'm not trying to pick on it. It's just one of those common things. So they plant corn, 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 year in, year out. And all they do is add in chemical fertilizers. Oh, and then we got bugs. So we add in the the, uh, pesticides. And then we got weeds and just uh, compiles over the years, right? Until the point where I can't, they can't grow uh, corn anymore. And so this guy comes in and they've, they've developed this uh, system of applying simple sugar. Cause they were looking for something, these, these farmers that have thousands of acres, they want something cheap. They want a quick fix, right? So they're, they're not going to be as into uh, something that's just as good, like the uh, cover crop thing, because it takes longer. Like with cover crops, it takes about three seasons of planting turning it over, planting, turning it over to kind of get the same benefit versus 
by doing about what, five pounds per acre multiple times through a growing season and applying it liquid, you know, mixed with water, liquid form, tilling it in, liquid form, tilling it in. Um, that the microbes just go crazy and, and just chomp, go to town chomping on all that. And uh, it actually ends up outcompeting the weeds and, and everything. And so these guys can utilize their soil in as little as one year. But hopefully they learn their lesson and don't go back to the way they were farming and they do things differently too, right? But um, I found that interesting as well, that even on dead soil they can bring it back. But really, I guess that's a little bit off topic. It's getting another uh, another podcast again. Um, but it just shows that if you've got a really bad problem and the pests come in just like locusts and just take down everything because it's so messed up, you can still rebuild it. It just takes some some elbow grease, right? Cool thing. If you have now worked on your soil substructure and your plant structure, and now you've, you, you're developing healthy plants again, um, they've actually got a lot of cool ways to fight off insect pests on their own. I don't know if you can think of a particular example of a, of a plant that fights back, so to speak against Insects. Not a specific plant, but I, I'm trying to think of the name that uh, alleopathy, alleopathic. Um, it's it's when a plant like sends out a chemical to kind of deter um, other things from kind of attacking it or eating it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't think of a specific plant. Like I know some plants have uh, kind of like physical things like you know whether it be like kind of maybe more sticky leaves or Mm -hmm. or leaves that are maybe aren't um aren't good uh surfaces for even just to have insects kind of uh roaming around on them Mm -hmm. but this is more of like a chemical process like more of the pheromone release thing again right so that they're yeah um and I've, i've seen it go a couple different ways they can either have something that all out repels or possibly even kills the insects if they ingest it they can also mimic other insects, whether it's predator ones or mates of particular ones, if they're trying to attract them for um, pollination or something like that. And also, oh, and that the confusing so that they can't send their, uh, their insects can't go back and tell their other insect buddies where they found the plant. So now it's like, no, we just took ourselves off the map. We're incognito, you know? (laughs) Um, So I thought that was cool, but also um, healthy plants uh, have the ability to produce protein inhibitors and insects need um, higher levels of of free amino acids uh, so that they can digest the plant proteins so if the plants are producing more of these protein inhibitors, their digestibility has been greatly, greatly decreased for the insects. So they're a lot less palatable and the insects are like, oh, I don't want to eat my steak and potatoes. I want to go eat my ice cream. So I'll just go somewhere else. You mm-hmm. know? So <laughs> Probably not a great example for me because I like steak and potatoes. But, you know, for I'm thinking for kids who like their sugar sweet stuff versus their big, heavier protein meals right but yeah i thought that was that was pretty ingenious too so as long as your plants are healthy uh they're just less digestible to insects so and 
it doesn't mean that a plant's completely impervious. Like insects come along, they may chomp at a leaf or try to suck some liquid out of it or something. But then you'll probably find like little little nibbles and and small marks or something on it versus completely decimated and your crop's not even there the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, that's a sign. I think I should do something about my, my soil and my plants. Yeah. And then I guess along with that, another method of, um, I guess, either def defending or protecting your, your plants would be, um, your your predator pet or predator pests <laughs> predator insects or or actually predators of any kind because there's a lot of other animals that um, eat insects as well but encouraging them in a good way to come into your uh, your area so that they can naturally prey upon these uh, out of control populations and get them back in balance so whether it's the little guys like your lace wings and your ladybugs uh or your bigger things like your frogs and toads, maybe, or um, some of the birds. There's a whole ton of them, right? But then the mm -hmm. trick is, uh, it goes back to that biodiversity, right? Like you've got to you've got to have that whole nice ecosystem kind of set up, or your your beneficials won't want to stay. They may travel through, but there's nowhere for them to live. There's no what water source or or habitat that they like so they won't stick around right um, yeah because another thing too is yeah if you attract for example um with this article that i read if you attract a whole bunch of predator uh insects with you know plants that um have a lot of nectar that uh say predator insects really want and that uh these weed species kind of like get attracted to that uh these high nectar producing weeds um yeah, they're going to, you know, come there. They're going to enjoy kind of this <laughs> buffet of uh, nectar that's uh, presented to them and therefore might stick around a little bit longer and being able to also control uh, the insect pests that you don't like. But then the problem with that, uh, with the agriculture, agricultural sense is now you've attracted all these insects and potential pollinators for your crop. Uh, some are completely different and your crop might... Uh, kind of feel the negative effects because now they're not getting as many pollinators um in the certain area because now they're all attracted to it and this is of course like if you are well i mean it could be in the wild too but if you were to you know hey i'm gonna try and control uh these uh invasive uh insect pests by um you know planting a crop of you know i don't know something that produces a whole bunch of nectar um but then yeah then you realize oh i have this whole crop of uh, that I was trying to get these pests away from that now <laughs> it's not uh, surviving as much because now, oh, well, all these pollinators are now, or I'm get, still getting some pollinators, but not as much as I used to because now they're all going to this new kind of uh, cover crop or whatever that I planted yeah. adjacent yeah. to it. So It's yeah, like you got to think of the, again, that full effect, right? The, the full yeah. circle of, okay, this is what I can do to fix this problem. Is it going to cause another problem or be detrimental or is it is it going to be okay when I put it in the system? So, and what's, um, what's really important too, is to be able to identify your pest predators and your insect pests, because I've seen it time and time again, people go into a greenhouse, let's say, because it's a little more closed environment and they just see any bug at all 
on the plants and they go squish them or something. I'm like, oh my God, you just killed a really helpful spider that eats a lot of little bugs. Or uh, somebody one time came in and um, started uh, rubbing off these uh, little cool eggs on some allium, some onion plants. And they're, uh, you may have seen this where there's, it looks like a little hair and then a little rice uh, kind of egg case on top of it and mm-hmm. it just sticks out straight sideways or on top of of some of these plants and so here they're they're ripping them off i'm like don't do that because those are actually lace wing eggs <laughs> and mm-hmm. lace wings are some of the most amazing little guys for getting especially the brown lace wings they're not as pretty as the green ones but um the brown lace wings the the larva and the adults all eat bugs they're all just, they go crazy. They're quite the little predators. Whereas the green ones, it's just the larva and the adults don't. They just go for nectar, which is also why you need some of your smaller flowers like your yarrow or um, things in the parsley family, that kind of thing. Because the adults need to eat those, whereas the young eat the bugs. So that's the thing too. So you got to make sure you have that whole continuous system for their whole life cycle or they come in for a while and they leave. Um, I get a kick out of these uh, predator bug suppliers, they'll sell you all kinds of like ladybugs and everything, which is great, but you have to make sure you've got things in place to keep them there. Otherwise you just spent your money to let them go all over the great outdoors. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, what's your favorite, I guess, uh, insect predator native or otherwise, or have you even thought of it? I don't know. No, you'd think I would (laughs) have had something ready to go, but no, off the top of my head. Um, I don't know. Do you have one? <laughs> well, well I like I say, I, I really, I'm fascinated by the lace wings. I really like them. Like, I think if I needed to bring something into a greenhouse, I'd bring the brown lace wings in just because the, the adults and the young all go for uh, insect pests. And the other thing is they are um, daytime and nighttime active, whereas a lot of them, they'll, they'll do one or the other, and then they're not active in the other time period. Um, I love... I really like the little alligator, the baby ladybugs too, just because they look so cool and they're such little pigs eating aphids like crazy. But, um, and I don't know, like, it's funny. I'm surrounded by people that are, uh, I wouldn't say afraid, but just do not like spiders at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of those crazy poisonous ones um, and ones from like the giant ones from the tropics or whatever. I I have a real healthy respect for them. I'm like, hey, you you guys do a really good job of cleaning up all kinds of things. So just go to it as long as you're in your corner and not in the middle of my doorway or something. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. So. So yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah like I mean, I'm like that too. Spiders aren't my favorite uh, thing to be around, but. I understand their benefits and usually I won't like, I mean, of course, when I was young, I used to like spider kill it. But now I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, no, I won't kill you. I'll take you outside. But um, if I can, and it's easy enough, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, if I can avoid them, I will. Um, But no, in terms of the uh, predator insect, I don't know. I kind of like lady beetles. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially like, um, the the ones you usually can purchase are the, uh, the seven spots. So they're a bigger, they're actually an imported variety and our, our native ones are the two spot, which are a little smaller, but, um, they are all good at, uh, aphids in particular, 
Um, it's it's kind of interesting just watching them crawl up a stem or a leaf, finding some unsuspecting aphid, and they just start chomp, 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 <laughs> and eating them from one end to the other. Yeah. And it's gone. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, and and like, yeah, along with this. The mantises, too, are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm, I don't know if Alberta has any native ones, though, or not. I'm not sure. I didn't think we I didn't did. think I we you did. Can, you can, you can purchase the office. egg cases, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't think, yeah, we have native ones around here that I'm so, aware of. But yeah, they are they are cool though. Um and of course there's that old, you know, having them on the little the little fine line, you know, so they're like your pet tied to your bedpost. I don't know if that really I guess maybe some of the tropical ones that are really big you could do that too, but I'm just like I don't think I could find a little leash small enough for one of them. I, <laughs> but yeah. So, and uh, yeah, so along with that, make sure you're able to identify the insect pests as well. Um, because not everything is a pest and, and really the term pest is, is like we'd say subjective. So it's, it's only a pest if it's being a problem for you. And even then think of the ramifications on, uh, of, all right, First of all, why is it here eating my plants? Is there some imbalance in my system that I need to fix first? Because if you completely ob obliterate these uh, insects and don't fix your problem, there's just going to be another population that moves in anyway. Um, so you might as well deal with the, the core issue of your problem before you start tackling the pests themselves. But if you do uh, feel the need to do something with your pests, make sure... Um, you know, you're kind of going up the chain, try to, try to, I always suggest try to do as naturally as possible first. So whether it's the beneficial insects, um, making sure your system's good and solid and healthy. And then if you've got to do some hand picking or some, or use some, uh, substances that are more naturally occurring, then I'd suggest that before you go to the all out, all right, we're going to insecticide everything. Um, but being able to identify them in all their life cycles, right? Because you may find some egg cases and not know which bug they're from. You may find some larvae or, or younger ones and you, and you don't know which one they're from. And the adult is maybe the only one you can recognize if you're lucky. And so you need to know the whole cycle of them. Um, otherwise you're not, not going to help things either. Cause chances are you may end up killing the wrong bugs anyway. Um, and if you can identify them, then you can also better do things like monitor them, right? Like if, mm -hmm. if you can, it's, uh, it's really expensive to, to hire these scientists like or get this equipment or <laughs> all this sort of stuff to figure out what's going on. But some really inexpensive ways are visibility, like just what you can see. So if you can see changes in the numbers of the, of the insects, in a specific area or the overall population comparisons between a couple different areas. Um, see how, which species are migrating to where, what, what plants they're focusing on all this sort of stuff by observing, you can help figure out a better plan for your, your own system as well. Um, because especially in Alberta, you know, from year to year, season to season, just that alone can change things. Like I know some years where we've had grasshopper explosions or uh, last year it was really bad for those, um, oh, what are they called? The Admiral 
those big yellow butterflies. They like aspen and willow. Oh, yeah. Um, Admiral, is it Admiral Blackwing? Admiral, anyway, um, I'll have to think about that. But yeah, it was really bad for that because everything was getting their leaves just chomp, chomp, chomped. Um, so it, it does depend on multiple factors too, right? Well, I mean, have in your, in your schooling and everything, did you do much in the way of, um, insects or insect pests or whatever, or have any experiences that way? Uh, yeah, we talked about it a bit. Uh, well, I mean, there was a whole kind of unit on it, uh, cause we had a whole, uh, course on, uh, integrated pest management. Ooh, so did you and, do some lab work stuff or like what kinds of things did you do? Uh, do I mean, we didn't, I don't think for a lab we really looked specifically at, you know, IDing uh, insect pests or just insects in general, which ones are considered good and which ones are bad and whatnot. But I know we talked about uh, just biological controls in the in context of the hmm. uh, integrated pest management. And we would go over, yeah, like, you know, one form of biological control is using insects and kind of the pros and cons to introducing a whole new... Uh, species to deal with another insect pest exactly. or plant pest and then yeah kind of yeah what are the pros and cons of that so that was kind of the extent of what we talk about with that um, um we're, well what were some of the other biological controls like do you remember um uh, besides the uh the predator insects i know there's um sometimes you can you can release the other uh the bacteriums and that kind of thing as well so basically, you're, you're you're killing something with another disease that affects it. But uh, um. uh, off the top of my head, I think there was talk about uh, uh, like bio pesticides. So something like a well, vinegar sort of, but kind of natural pesticides, I guess you could say. Yeah, like the insecticidal the soaps or the um, maybe the diatomaceous earth or something. Oh, I love the diatomaceous earth. So good. Mmm. Awesome. Yeah, just pesticides or whatever, yeah, whatever pesticide you're using for whatever application that's derived from natural ingredients versus something that's like very, you know, yeah. human made, <laughs> like made Which in ironically, lab, like I think uh, rotenone and a couple of those things, they come from plant materials as it is. Like there's the the painted daisy that produces a substance that's toxic to a lot of soft body insects and that kind of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, again, in the, the right context, plants are very good at producing things to protect themselves against bugs, but every, every species is different as well. Right. But um, that also brings me to, I mean, we are talking about infecting insects with certain diseases, or whatever, as a control, which again, be careful about what you're doing as to what kind of Pandora's box you're opening. But um, there are instances where insect pests transmit diseases to other things as well, including humans and livestock. So, you know, things like malaria and stuff. And again, because it's uh, human nature to want to preserve ourselves, that's not considered a good thing, right? Um, but what's interesting is uh, people, they focus so much on the end result that I don't think they they go back to the beginning and 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 trace it so what i found was interesting is insects are actually very much like a lot of other animals and that when they're 
immune compromised. So pretend there's an insect that's got a cold or, or a f equivalent flu bug. Ha ha, flu bug. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> anyway, so when they're, <laughs> when they're immune compromised, they can be more susceptible to disease just like us. So like if we're run down or whatever, you're more likely to catch something, right? Um, so same thing can happen in insects. So if there's a healthy population of insects, there's going to be a very low percentage of those insects that are going to be able to acquire these diseases or illnesses or whatever. But um, so that's that will reduce the instance of it happening. However, unfortunately, it only takes one mosquito to transmit malaria, right? So even if you had a healthy population of mosquitoes, let's say, and you've got one that got the malaria um, illness, that's all it takes if somebody gets bit by it. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it's just one more thing in our arsenal of, of how to further defend against them, right? So if you maintain a healthy ecosystem or a garden or regenerative landscape, whatever you'd like to call it, um, it's going to reduce the overall population numbers of your insect pests. It's going to reduce then the number of diseased or infected individuals within that population and therefore reduces the potential of transmission of those diseases to plants, other animals, and humans. So, mm -hmm. um, again, it's funny how it keeps pointing back to if you have a healthy system, bing, 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 it checks off a lot of these other boxes for um, helping prevent things and, and making things better. And it's just, yeah, and again, like with regenerative landscapes and just the idea of having that cyclical relationship of yeah if you kind of look at kind of a bigger on a bigger scale i mean you can still look at it as you know at a small yard or something but being able to turn that yard into something where you have enough biodiversity enough of these things kind of working uh together sim simultaneously and you design it right um it it tends to kind of just work itself out and there's not really much you human really needs to deal with if, if say something like a pest does come in yeah you can definitely help with um dealing with that pest but if you design the kind of ecosystem or regenerative landscape that you're making chances are if you design it right that hopefully you it kind of naturally itself will attract those pet those predatory pests or other things to kind of deter these uh insect pests that you don't mm -hmm. want mm -hmm. yeah so i guess uh in a nutshell um, insects in general perform uh, many valuable functions in our ecosystems, even though you may not always see it firsthand. Uh, but the the insect pests that everybody frown upon actually perform a valuable function of breaking down or removing unhealthy plant material, much the way our, our scavengers would, right? Like our coyotes and our birds and things that um, scavenge material, it would be the same sort of thing. So by removing them completely, it's going to lead to a buildup of rotting disease plant material. So you don't really want to do that. Um, and it also takes away valuable food resources for the beneficial predators. So a balance is required. Uh, again, I, it's, I know it's going to sound like a broken record, but if you get back to this whole regenerative landscaping type of mentality, uh, it improves everything and brings back the, I know it sounds hokey, but the, the circle of life, you know. <laughs> and yeah, just the... The, the balance between the soil, the plants, the animals, everything, uh, it all comes together. But if, if something's out of place, 
there's going to be problems and you're going to know about it. So I don't know if you got anything to add to that. Uh, no, because, yeah, again, like the article I was kind of referencing uh, throughout all this. Yeah, you kind of covered most of it. And again, it kind of gets a little like, I mean, there's a little bit of history thing as to how insects kind of weren't always focused on attacking or not attacking, but uh, having plants as kind of their main uh, food source and how that's still, again, this is from 2005, but they were saying at the time that roughly about one third of insects uh, tend to go after uh, plant species for food, whereas the other, the two other two thirds are kind of, you know, everything else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I thought like that was kind of interesting. People. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, so it's not the majority of insects, but a good chunk of them are, yeah, attracted or like uh, plant sources as their main food. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just like uh, within other animal species, there's omnivores and carnivores and stuff in the insect world as well. But uh, in any case, yeah, I think it's important to uh, be aware of them, learn as much as you can about them, respect them, and try to balance out your system so that hopefully you won't need to resort to some of these other more drastic methods and possibly really upset the balance. Anyway, uh, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, it was a little bit lengthy, but hopefully Kevin will be able to pare it down a little bit. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we could talk about insects all day. I'm sure there's a lot of spin-off pods we could do. But for now, uh, this is a good entry into some things of some ways how to deal with them if you're if you're experiencing a problem and to just think about it in a, at a different perspective. Um, so yeah, by all means, if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can go to fescue.ca. Um, I also know that uh, Kevin really likes hearing some tweets from you guys. You can always tweet them. Uh, I'm at mmgardens.ca. Please like us, subscribe, download, tell everybody about us. Uh, we'd love to uh, have you listen and we'd love to hear from you because we're, basically we're doing this for you guys. We want to uh, try and do our little part to make this a better world and give you guys uh, something to encourage you to get out there and whether it's little or big, plant something, do something and uh, do our part to change the world. Thank you. Thank you.